0: Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth and the Lord said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven. As we do week by week, we ask you to be here with us in this place right now. And we trust that you have kept your promise and that you are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts, your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit. The giant took a gulp of tea and wiped his mouth with the back of his hand call me Hagrid he said everyone does all the children's ears pricked up and like I told you I'm keeper of keys at Hogwarts you'll know all about Hogwarts of course uh no said Harry Hagrid looked shocked sorry "'Harry said quickly. "'Sorry,' barked Hagrid, "'turning to stare at the Dursleys "'who shrank back into the shadows. "'It's them it should be sorry. "'I knew you weren't getting your letters, "'but I never thought you wouldn't even know "'about Hogwarts, for crying out loud. "'Did you never wonder where your parents learned it all? "'All what?' asked Harry. "'All what?' Hagrid thundered. "'Now wait just one second.' "'He had leapt to his feet.' In his anger, he seemed to fill the whole hut. The Dursleys were cowering against the wall. Do you mean to tell me, he growled at the Dursleys, that this boy, this boy, knows nothing about about anything? Harry thought this was going a bit far. He had been to school, after all, and his marks weren't bad. I know some things, he said. I can, you know, do math and stuff. But Hagrid simply waved his hand and said... About our world, I mean, your world, my world, your parents' world. What world? Hagrid looked as if he was about to explode. Dursley! He boomed. Uh, and Uncle Vernon, who had gone very pale, whispered something that sounded like "Mimble Wimble." Hagrid stared wildly at Harry. But you must know about your mom and dad, he said. I mean, they're famous. You're famous. What? My, my mom and dad weren't famous, were they? You don't know. You don't know. Hagrid ran his fingers through his hair, fixing Harry with a bewildered stare. You don't know what you are, he said finally. Uncle Vernon suddenly found his voice. Stop, he commanded. Stop right there, sir. I forbid you to tell the boy anything. A braver man than Vernon Dursley would have quailed under the furious look Hagrid now gave him. When Hagrid spoke, his every syllable trembled with rage. You never told him? You've kept it from him all these years? Kept what from me? said Harry eagerly. Stop! I forbid you! yelled Uncle Vernon in panic. Aunt Petunia gave a gasp of horror. Ah, go boil your heads, both of you, said Hagrid. Harry, you're a wizard. And (laughs) see. Harry, you're a wizard. Today, my plan is to tell you that you're not Harry Potter. You are not a wizard. You're not famous. And that's good news. See, Harry is a classic fantasy hero and his story, as we just heard, begins in this classic way. He has no idea that he is the chosen one who will be tasked with a great quest to save the world. He grows up uh, being forced to live mostly under the stairs of his aunt and uncle's house, the least special person in the least special place. And this is always how fantasy stories begin. It's also the reason that we love these fantasy stories so much. They allow us, the least special people from the least special place, to think that there is some tiny chance that we might be chosen ones too. Maybe we have secret, untapped power within us and one day a giant will knock down our door and tell us how important we really are. That we're really wizards. This is how these fantasy stories always go. The least important person... In the least important place is all of a sudden told that in fact they are the most important person and they must complete the most important mission and actually you're a great sorcerer and you have been all along you just didn't know it and what's Harry's reaction well he's not told right away that he's the one who's going to have to uh, fight the evil wizard Voldemort. But over the course of several books, he comes into contact with that idea. And what does he say? Well, he basically echoes Jeremiah from our reading from the first chapter of that prophet's book. I'm just a kid. I can't possibly fight Voldemort. I can't make this journey. I can't go on this quest. I can't. I can't, I can't. Now Jeremiah is a preacher's kid, the son of the local priest. He's minding his own business when the word of the Lord comes to him, and it says, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you prophet to the nations." And Jeremiah says, "Not me. I can't do that. Ah, Lord God, he says, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. I can't do it, God. I'm just a kid. And we think to ourselves, ah, this is going to be a typical hero's journey, just like Harry Potter. God is going to show Jeremiah that he should have confidence in himself, that he does have the power. God will help him along the way, and he'll do the same for us. But that's not what happens at all. At first, the worry is the same Harry Potter and Jeremiah. I can't do this. I'm just a kid. I'm too weak. That's really what our fantasy heroes are saying, what Jeremiah is saying too. I'm too weak. I can't save the world. I can't be your prophet. I don't have what it takes. And this is what we say to God, too, when confronted with his word in our lives. It's too holy. It's too good. I can't do it. I can't live up to the standard you set for me. I can't do the things you've called me to do. I feel too weak. I don't have what it takes. Here's the difference between us... And Harry Potter, between the fantasy stories and what God is all about. In the fantasy stories, Harry Potter is actually a powerful wizard. He has it within himself all along. He just needs some training. He just needs a few years at the local school of witchcraft and wizardry. By the end of the story, Harry is, of course, the best wizard. He was always... The chosen one. All weakness is gone. But you're not Harry Potter. When you say, I can't do it, God, you're actually right. When we say, I can't do that, God, we're actually right. Consider Jeremiah. What training does he undergo once he 's been picked as God 's prophet? What school of witchcraft and wizardry does he have to go to to work up the skills he has within him? Well, incredibly, no training at all, apparently. Jeremiah gets sent right out immediately, right after he makes his normal fantasy hero protestation, the same one that we would make, right that i 'm just a boy, I can't do it, I don 't have what it takes. God says. Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to whom I send you. You shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. Now I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So in fact, we have a totally different kind of story going on here don't we the hero in the fantasy story has been given something to do but the follower of god in this case jeremiah has been given something to say the fantasy hero has been given something to do the father of god follower of god has been given something to say. The Christian life then is not a period of training to help prepare you to do wonderful deeds for God. The Christian life is the continued announcement of the wonderful deeds that God has already accomplished for you. Jeremiah needs no training because God himself will get the job done. He says... Don't say I'm only a boy. Don't say I'm too young. Don't say I'm too weak. But he doesn't say you're not only a boy or you're not too young or you're not actually weak. He doesn't say, don't doubt yourself. Let me show you what you can do. You're actually a powerful wizard. No, in fact, God doubles down on our weaknesses. He might as well say, it's a good thing that you're young and weak. That you don't have anything to say. That's why I'm choosing you. I know you're weak. I'm using my strength to accomplish this mission. I know you can't speak. That's why I'm going to put my words into your mouth. Counterintuitively, our weakness turns out to be the exact thing that God is going to use to get the job done. As St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, God's power is made perfect in weakness. And that's why it's good news that you're not Harry Potter. Harry has to fight Voldemort. You have almighty God to fight for you. And how does God fight for you? Well, he speaks. And listen to what he says. See, today... I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. we seem to have two very different kinds of speaking here, two different kinds of words referring to two different kinds of actions, right? We have, uh, first, we have these destructive words, pluck up, pull down, destroy, overthrow. And then we have constructive words, building and planting. Now, the Lord's first word, the first way he speaks into the world is this word of judgment and destruction. Plucking up, pulling down, destroying, overthrowing. He's sending his prophet to announce these things into the world. This is how God fights for you, by beginning the fight inside of you. God's word shines a light on everything in our lives that is not of him. He's going through the secluded rooms of our hearts and it's spring cleaning time. He's clearing out the cobwebs, taking out the garbage, shining light into the darkest places of our hearts. And our hearts are in desperate need. Later, as Jeremiah writes, he says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our deceitful hearts are the reason that God's first word is a word of destruction, a word of tearing down, a word of overthrowing. Because we're not fantasy heroes who need to discover how to use the power we always had on the inside but just didn't know it. We're sinners. We have deceit and sickness on the inside. Our hearts, our self-centeredness, our envy, our lusts, our spite. We need to be overthrown. We need to be plucked up and pulled down. This is why Jeremiah doesn't need training. Sinners don't need to be trained. We need to be resurrected. We don't need to be improved. We need to be made new. Our hearts need to be plucked up. Pulled down. They are deceitful above all things, desperately sick, and need to be destroyed. Now, we're not secret sorcerers who just need some good schooling. We are broken down sinners in need of a new heart. And it's God's first word, this destructive word, that gives us this bad news. You are beyond training. You are beyond helping. You need something more profound. But God's not done speaking. God's first word, that word of destruction, is never God's final word for us. The good news is that after the plucking up and pulling down, after the destroying and overthrowing, there is always building and planting. In fact, You can't build and plant until you've destroyed and overthrown. Land must be cleared for new growth. We plant in the winter and harvest in the spring. You can't have resurrection until you have crucifixion. Easter Sunday comes after Good Friday. Jesus said that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So we see again that weakness is the ingredient with which God works. If we were in a fantasy story, if we were Harry Potter, it'd be up to us. right? We have our wands. We went through the training and it would be up to us to win the day. Go out there and save the world. But we... We Christians don't get a great mission that must be accomplished. We get a great accomplishment that must be proclaimed. The world has already been saved. You are not the hero of the story, and that is good news, because Jesus is. In the same way that the Lord said to Jeremiah, I put my words in your mouth. He says to us, each one of us, I put my son in your place. A grain of wheat has fallen to the earth and has died and it has borne much fruit. The savior of the world has come to earth and died, but he is alive again. For you. So, hear the good news this morning. The word of the Lord spoken to you. Before I formed you in the womb, before you were born, I knew you, I consecrated you, I chose you, I sent my son for you. In that word, destruction is reversed. And construction begins. Sin and judgment are overcome. And grace and peace reign supreme. In that word, the whole good news is contained. Yes, you are weak. But Christ is strong. Yes, you are worn out. But now you can celebrate Christ's finished work in your life. God has put Jesus in your place, making him to be sin, so that you might be made righteous, giving him up to death, so that you might live forever. Amen.